Have you ever wondered where podcasters go to learn? Welcome to Elite Podcast Academy, the show for podcasters, about podcasters, by a podcaster. Now let's jump straight into today's episode. All right, welcome everybody to another episode. And today I have a very special guest. Um, He's a really good friend of mine. His name is Abe Abdelhadi, and Abe has a podcast called The Bitter Truth. Hey, thanks a lot, man. Appreciate the uh, appreciate the invite as always. Yeah, no, I appreciate you coming on. So let's jump right in because we try to keep these uh, episodes really short, down to maybe like fifteen minutes each. Tell me the main topic of the bitter truth. Uh, well, I mean the the short the short version. I I, I would say seventy eighty percent of it is left of the left politics, uh, different subjects. It's not necessarily you know uh, bashing the Democrats and Hillary Clinton and all of that, which you know that that's I could just do that all year. But um, you know we get into you know bigger topics: Middle East, Central America, South America, uh, the military, uh, and then I kind of pepper it in with different folks. I've had a, a a good show, a good friend of the show, uh, Dr. Kate Balistrieri, come on a couple of times, and she's a sex therapist. And I've had um, educators come on. I've had a, uh, you know rock, uh, rock musicians come on, comedians come on. But I'd say seventy, eighty percent of the show is political, and the point of the show is to just get people. Um, material into their hands that they're not going to hear anywhere else so they can make an intelligent decision. I think the media is completely bought and sold. And then you've got a lot of these folks online that I see anyway that enjoy telling half the story. I don't think you can make an intelligent decision with only half the story. So what I work to do is give everybody everything that we can give them and then they can make a a decision on their own on how they feel about different things. Awesome. Yeah, I think with a show named The Bitter Truth, you could pretty much cover any topic that you want. Yeah, I, I, I suppose if I called it the big wet kiss, I'd get more takers. But you know, the bitter truth seems to fit. <laughs> <laughs> so what what got you interested in starting a podcast about that topic? Um, well, I mean, I, I, I I've been that way. I mean, I played in bands back in the '80s and '90s, and you know, if I'm being honest, I'm 55 now. But I think when I was a kid, I was just really more interested in doing the Rolling Stone interview um, more than. Be- being a musician, even though I wrote a couple hundred songs and, you know, we really went after it, but it, it was more about communicating these ideas to people. And then I, uh, I knocked off the band thing about my mid thirties, late thirties, and then started uh, doing comedy. Did that, you know, with marginal degrees of success here and there in LA mostly, um, for about 10 years. And then I came to Austin and, um, not really a comedy town. And then I kind of found myself being a little limited just because, you know, with, with, with comedy, it's about the jokes and you got to really craft jokes. I think I was pretty good at it, but what I found liberating about this show was I can be funny if it warrants it, but I don't have to be, you know, I can just, you know, make comments or actually, you know, keep asking the subject questions. But, um, the more important, the, the more important thing about it was just to kind of communicate, uh, a point of view that you may not get anywhere else. And I kind of thought I was doing that with music and I definitely thought I was doing it with comedy. Um, but I really believe I'm doing it here just because I have so much help because my guests, you, you, yourself included, have been really good. You know, whether I agree with them or not, they've just been really good guests. I've been really fortunate the last six months to have some really smart people come on the show. Uh, you know, I interviewed uh, Neil Dykeman, who was running for Senate out here in Texas against uh, Beto O'Rourke mm-hmm. and, um, and Ted Cruz. And, you know, to be candid, we had a real fiery conversation, but I respect him 
you know, because he was he wasn't BSing people, and he 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 had real real facts and figures. Whether you agree with his um, his point of view or or what he thinks should happen, uh, you couldn't deny what he was talking about, right? And so, even if I don't agree with the person, I re- I just really respected that. So, uh, you know, I've had you know most people like come on, I I do agree with. I'm working to get more folks that I don't agree with, but been kind of finding out that folks that I don't agree with want to come on the show. <laughs> like you're, right. you're, 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 uh, you're of a rare Oak, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, but here's the thing. Do you think that, um, your experience performing music and doing stand up helps you with your podcast? Absolutely. I'm, yeah, absolutely. And, I, and I'm in sales. My day job is sales. Um, I think it's just all kind of, if, if you're open, and you're not attached to regret. I think you know that's, that's kind of like a, like a sport in this country. You just kind of look at your entire, you know, trajectory or whatever. I hate to use that word journey because it sounds so Oprah. But um, <laughs> yeah, it, it, like everything just kind of feeds into the, into the next deal. You know what I mean? Like you learned how to do something, and you think, oh well, that was a waste of time. And then within six months, you're like, oh wow, that came in handy. That wasn't even a waste of time. You know, so. So yeah, I honestly believe playing music and and uh, getting you know getting used to being in front of people, not being shy, um, you know, doing comedy, which is pure nudity. I mean, you're, you may as well just go streaking if you're going to do comedy. Um, you know that that's you know that that that's, that's vulnerable, and and you get out there and you see what works and what doesn't, and how to control a crowd, um, and all of that. So I think it helps here, uh, you know, because also too it strengthens your your confidence and your point of view. You know, because when you're doing comedy, for example, even if you're writing a joke, um, a lot of my stuff was kind of political when I was doing comedy, but you want to at least be factually correct, you know, so you would look stuff up and make sure, you know, the point you're going to make is actually accurate and not a lie, you know. So, yeah, I think I think that really helped me here. Yeah, I would think that just as I was thinking about it, you the the music career helped you get comfortable performing in front of people and the stand up comedy career kind of made you a better communicator. And when you put both of those things together, it definitely comes across in your, both your podcast and anytime you've appeared on my podcast, you're just really comfortable expressing your opinion. And that seems to really help drive your topic forward. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, 100%. so, so did you have any help getting your podcast started or did you do it on your own? It ended up being on my own. Um, I had, you know, I had some, I'm not gonna lie. I've had some kicks in the ass the last four or five years. I had more more than a few people in my life, you know, bugging me to do something like this. And then um, uh, I was involved in a couple of business enterprises at the end of last year, beginning of this year, that you know just flamed out in spectacular fashion. But um, you know, to find myself largely on my own, uh, you know, I had a couple of my buddies kind of, hey, you could do it. That's about the only support I've really had. So. Um, once the impetus to do the podcast was in place, then, um, you know, it was just about finding a place to do it and, you know, get, getting some guests. And, um, you know, initially I started off thinking I was going to do three a week. So I spent about a month and a half recording, uh, 12 shows thinking that'll give me a good cushion. And then, you know, pretty much before I knew it, a, I was running out of time because, you know, not everybody can do it when you want them to do it. Uh, and I still record at a studio. I don't do that at my house. So it was a little, little less convenient, but not by a lot. But then the other part of it was to, um, you know, it just, I, you know, I spend less money, uh, doing it once a week versus three times a week. And, uh, the Patreon, I have a Patreon page set up, you know, uh, forward slash the bitter truth. 
and that works pretty well. I mean, I get, you know, I get some income off of that, but and that that pays for some of the 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 costs, but not all of them. But thankfully, it's not something that is going to you know break me. But I'm obviously look, looking to to expand that the support and and do more shows. Sure. So, what do you think was most difficult about starting the podcast? Uh, having confidence in my own judgment of who should come on, you know, because um, initially, I mean, I was I was pretty fortunate. I, I had some, I got some friends with PhDs who've written books and stuff like that, and a couple of military, a couple of military guys that actually had a real background who could speak intelligently. Um, but then expanding out, I was like, well, how 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 long can I keep this going? You know, uh, that was the biggest. Uh, mental hurdle I had was well. What, what if I can't find any more people to come? <laughs> you know, um, that 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 uh, I would say was the biggest challenge. But then once the rhythm got going, and then you know you meet somebody, and then they know three people that you know from from one interview I did initially um, it was a libertarian kid running uh, Carrie McKinnon's campaign out here uh, for for lieutenant governor in Texas. You know, from that one guy, I got like a couple of green people, uh, a few libertarians. I got uh, a Republican. Uh, one of the green guys turned me on to this uh, pro-Palestinian Israeli activist who I just recorded today. He's become a friend of the show, thank God. And, um, you know, he, he's been on this like his third time on. And I would have never met him if it wasn't for this libertarian kid originally. So I got like nine interviews out of this one guy, Ryan Simpson, who's a really good guy. Um, just because he gave me a phone number. Hey, I know this girl, and she knew this guy, and then all of a sudden, you know, um, I, I, you know, one person led me to nine shows, so ten shows. So, um, so yeah, it, it's it's kind of that's kind of the biggest thing that I, I started realizing. It's like sales; you just keep planting the seeds, and then eventually some will sprout and some don't. I mean, I've had a lot of pre-interview conversations with people that just didn't pan out at all. You know, we're never going to have them on the show ever. You know, um, for various reasons. You know. Well, sure. I mean, that's kind of a typical part of my process is I get like I I told you, I have a bunch of people lined up for interviews. But the reality is if half of them actually follow through and do it. I'll be lucky. And that seems to be it. What's what's even funnier is I've numerous times had uh, other podcasters reach out and say they want to do an interview with me and they just never follow through on on either way. Mm -hmm. You know, me, yeah. me with them or them with me. They just never have the time. And then I've even had a guy come back like six months later and be like, hey, I completely forgot we were going to do a show together. Like, wow. Yeah, it's like, I thought you were struggling well, for content, you know? Yeah. Well, I've had, I've, had, I've had that, but I've also had people that, you know, I like to be fair. You know, and I don't want to send back anybody. You know, so, yeah, I'm, yeah, it's called the bitter truth, but I also want you to kind of know what we're going to talk about. I don't want to set you up, right? And I've had a few people that came on in a little pre-interview. I'm thinking I, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have this person on my show if I was on fire. Uh, no way, you know. It's just, <laughs> yeah. no way. Like two two reasons. Either either we, it was so contentious on the phone that they were scared off. That's happened a few times, and or they were just despite their you know bona fides or whatever were just so just nothing to say. Everything was a yes and no answer. You know, not really expounding on anything. You know, kind of going, wow, this is going to be a long hour. You know, and I think I'm a little over 40 shows in in the last six, seven months, and I've only done three by myself. 
And I'm thinking, shoot, if I was going to do one by myself, I'll do one by myself. <laughs> I don't need to have you right. know somebody come on and and like you know I'm just talking to them. You know what I mean? Well, congratulations on 40 shows. That's a lot of shows. Yeah, I've been really I've been really happy about it, man. It's it's uh, you know like I said, I was trying to do three a week. Uh, I think the 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 initial 12 helped out to get that number up really quick, but then it's been, it's been a steady every Monday. Um, the holidays, I put them out on Wednesdays because of the Christmas and the new year's, but, um, but it's, it's been a steady, uh, you know, once a week, every Monday. Um, so I've been, I've been really happy with it. So do you edit your own podcasts or did you hire someone to do it? Uh, well, yeah, I don't edit them. Uh, the, 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 the studio I record at, the only thing they really do, um, like today I screwed up at the end, you know, at the very, very end where I do a little tag at the end. And so I re re-recorded that part while I was there, but I don't, um, edit. It's a straight hour. Person comes on, we talk and, you know, if a cuss word gets dropped in, it does. If someone says, um, or, you know, they say like a lot, it's, that's what it's in. That's, that's what's gets, what gets in there. So we don't really do any editing. We just put the buffer music at the beginning and at the end. And that's all the real editing we do. Um, a couple times a call got dropped and, you know, we had to have the guy call back and then, you know, patch it in. And then, we, you know, that edit got fixed. But beyond that, it's not even an edited show. It's like a straight hour. I like to treat it like live radio, like back in the day when we were kids. You know, you listen to KMET or KLOS and Jim Ladd would come on and, you know, whatever he said, he said, right. And there was no, they didn't fix it. It was live. You know, that's kind of what I'm trying to go for here. Yeah, no, I like that approach. I really do. I mean, I've listened to every episode you've put out, and I really like that approach. I think it works. It's it's kind of you know when I when we started the nightly rant over a year ago, we would go through and you know, everybody every podcast editor will tell you, oh, you have to take out the ums and the ahs and the likes and the this and the that. And after a while, you know, m my podcast is a lot like yours. It's conversational. And after a while, you realize that's just how people talk. So why would I want to make them sound like some Harvard professor when they're not, you know? Right. And especially when it's just my wife and I and we're having a conversation, right. I think a lot of why we have the listeners we have is because they like the interaction between her and I. And right, right. all of a sudden, I'm changing things and it doesn't sound like us. And so I've gone the other way as well where – um, we have, we do a lot of things that other podcasters would cringe at. Like we, when we, where we sit, we don't lock our pets out. So they're constantly involved in the show and we make fun of that while we're on the show. And right. I've gotten comments right. about how funny that is. Um, I think, sure. it, I think it makes it more endearing. Um, and so sometimes we'll have an issue like the dog will start barking. Well, if it fits, I leave it. But if not, we'll both stop, we'll deal with the situation, and then I kind of make a note to go back and cut that segment out. And I just, that's about all I'll edit. You know, and I used to mm -hmm. spend, for a half-hour show, I used to spend like an hour and a half editing the show. Now I can get it done in maybe you know, 35 minutes total. And it's well, see, well, in a piggyback on what you just said, this, this is the, the other thing, too. Like, you know, um, you know, a few weeks back, I had a, a psychologist teaches at CUNY and, you know, Hunter College in, or in, in New York, out of CUNY and, um, or CUNY, however they say it, uh, City University of New York. And um, I've known the guy a long time, but regardless if I've known him a long time or if it's just somebody that I just met through doing the show, I just kind of want it to feel like, you know, we're having a beer 
You know what I mean? And 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 this guy's expertise or this woman's expertise and knowledge is gonna it's gonna come through anyway. And you know, um, I'll have my little sheet, my bullet points, and what I'm kind of ready to talk about. But you know, let the conversation just go as it will. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, and that's uh, that's another thing I like about um, your show is that especially when I've made appearance and I listen to the show later is I can follow right along the conversation we had because it's the conversation that we had. It's not some other, like, you know, some people I've been on their show and they completely rape what you have to say and cut. uh, You'll have a four sentence paragraph and only two of the sentences make it in. So your point really isn't what your point was, you know? Um, Right. Yeah. I think, I think, I think we're going to see more and more because, you know, it's funny. Podcasters keep talking about how you got to have the sound quality of broadcast radio. Well, then why don't we treat the podcast like broadcast radio? Right. Like Howard, Howard Stern doesn't like go back and edit out uh, his segments. <laughs> Whatever happens, happens. And that's I right. think what makes it funny, you know. Right. Um, it's just craziness. But so here's here's my last question for you. If you could do another show right now, what would it be about? Oh, um, it, I, it would either be about comedy or rock and roll and let light, not, not necessarily lighter because comedy is not really light. And if you dig rock and roll, you know, the kind of stuff that I like isn't light either, but it just, it'd be light, a little lighter than what I'm doing now, but I, I wouldn't mind doing a show on comedy and, you know, or rock and roll. Um, and, and, you know, just kind of encompass everything from outlaw country to rap, you know, real rap, not that crystal champagne crap, but like real rap from back in the day or, you know, um, like what's, what's going on with music today, you know, the, the nature of media, how's it, how, how it's splintering different audiences, you know, stuff like that. And just get different guests to talk about that. Um, that, you know, that'd be fun. That'd be fun to do. That'd be a fun topic to, you know, you meet some interesting people and, up and coming musicians and comedians who are trying to get their stuff on iTunes or whatever. That, 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 you know, that seems like it'd be kind of fun. I agree with you. And I think, especially with where you live, uh, you'd probably be able to find a lot of, uh, people to come on your show. Oh, if I was, oh, in Austin. Yeah. I could throw a rock in this town. I I could hit a guy with a CD out. There's like, there's like five guys I can, I can hit up right now. They would come on the show. They don't even know me. I just go to see them play, but they would, they would come on the show in a second. Um, but yeah, it's uh, that may that may be just something down the road when I start doing everything at home and that kind of thing. Um, but um, but yeah, I haven't really thought about it. So you asked the question. <laughs> so well, yeah, I mean, that. just paying for paying for studio time is definitely going to limit, unless you're you know independently wealthy. It's going to definitely limit what you can and can't do. And I've I've even right. seen most mostly what I've seen is even the independently wealthy people eventually they mm-hmm. get tired of going to the studio and having to. Um, rely upon the studio schedule, so they end up building their own studio in their house. So, right, you know, right. I think I think pretty much that's one of the nice things about podcasting is you can do it mobile. I mean, we went we went to Politicon and we did podcast right there on the floor of Politicon. You know, uh, you can nice. do it anywhere. It's kind of fun, but you know, you you uh, made me think of something while you were talking about um, music and and uh, and comedy is you know i don't i think that there are definitely podcasts out there on both topics obviously but i think if you were to put the approach that you use for your bitter truth show uh-huh. and be kind of like 
you know, open and honest and ask the tough questions, uh, I think you could actually perhaps get like to what it's like on the inside of all that. Like, what does it feel like being the guy that's trying to make it in the music industry, especially today where, mm -hmm. where it, it, correct me if I'm wrong, but it feels like it would be a lot harder today, even though there's a lot more places to put your music, mm -hmm. it just feels like it would be harder. Like you don't get as much uh, support from the label. Well, you know, to be, to be, to be fair, um, you know, I, the, the labels are dead. You know, anybody that wants to get on a label, um, it, you know, unless you want to be famous, you need a label if you want to be famous. Right. Makes but, sense. um, the labels are signing fewer people. I worked in the record business, not only playing music, but I was in two, I was at two different record companies. And back then, this is like 25, 30 years ago, you know, back then they would sign 10 bands. Right. And, and see what would stick. And of those 10 bands, one would be like this outrageous, you know, Whitney Houston sized artist. And the other would be like a, and now Radiohead sells, you know, they're wildly successful, but just to kind of get into that, um, you know, it, it, one, would, one would be like a Radiohead size, you know, maybe, maybe selling a half a million copies, 300,000 copies. And the other would be this Whitney Houston monster size. And then the other eight would just fail, just, just epically fail. And what was considered a failure in the record company um, rubric would not be a failure if they put out the record themselves. You know, the the band only put out their, only sold thirty thousand records. If they sold thirty thousand records on their own and kept all the money and weren't worried about paying back in advance, shoot, they would gross about three hundred thousand dollars, right? Um, sure. And that's not even counting touring. So bands that put out their own records now, they do the downloads now. I mean, shoot, if they sell three four thousand copies, they made sixty seven thousand sixty seventy thousand um, dollars that they can split amongst before or maybe use that to pay for a tour um and that and the cool thing about that at least it's a real dollar it's because the downloads are real whereas in the record business you could ship a million copies meaning we put a million copies in the stores but then six months later when they do the returns right so the artist isn't getting paid on a million copies they're getting you know they're, they're, they shipped a million it, it, you know when you got that when you said platinum record or multi-platinum records that's how many were shipped into the stores, not how many actually sold into the hands of the customer, right? right? So if you want to be a record guy now or you know, be an artist and get on a record label, I mean, it's it's a way different uh, environment. They're signing fewer artists to labels now. I mean, and people still chase a deal. Like, I'll see, yeah, we want to get a record deal. I'm like, I'm, I'm sorry, 1985 call. They want their, they want their lines back. <laughs> what, the, what are you talking about? Like, you know, you, but if you want to be famous, you need the machine of a record company. You need publicity. You need to get in Rolling Stone. You need to get in a musician magazine. And that's what the publicity department does. And that's what the record business is really, really good at. I mean, you know, uh, if you want to be Foo Fighters, you know, and now Dave Grohl could do what he wants. But when he was trying to get started 20 years ago after Nirvana broke up in 1995, he put out his first solo record with the Foo Fighters. Um, you know, he needed a label back then. You know, now he might not. You know, Radiohead hasn't had a label for years, and they put out albums online all the time, and they ship about, you know, or download rather, half a million, million, two million copies, and they're making their money at a hundred percent. Because when people, what people fail to realize with a record company deal, is you're getting an advance on royalties, and if those royalties don't materialize, 
your deal is over and your band is over because most bands incorporate before they sign the deal so that they're not personally responsible uh, for the amount. So if I give you a half a million dollar um, advance as you know, Mike Mahoney, Inc., and you know, you're Mike Mahoney and the Mahoney Acts or something, and then all of a sudden you guys break up, well, now I can't come after you because the incorporation went belly up. And you know that stuff. But that's right. what most labels, that's, that's what most artists do. That's why when you see they fuck two, three records and they broke up, but then you see a few years later they're recording together, or a few of the guys are still together doing something. It's not that they hated each other's guts, it's just that they lost their record deal. And if they didn't, uh, you know, declare Chapter 11 as an incorporation, they'd be personally responsible for that money, you know. So why pay back a million and a half dollars because the label screwed up, you know what I mean? Right, right. No, I, I actually used to work for uh, Warehouse Records back in the day, and I was a manager. Okay. And so uh, I was privy to a lot of what used to go on. And it was always really intriguing to me how, how that whole process worked. And, um, you know, our, the, how we met was, of course, through um, Bill C. And I yep. talked to him about, you know, the he tells me the the royalty checks that he gets from Spotify. And I always laugh and tell him, well, I'm probably responsible for about 50% of that. Um, <laughs> it's it's not a lot of money, you know. Um, they yeah they take it all, but but anyway. Well, why don't you tell everybody where they can find the bitter truth? Yeah, um, uh, well, we're on all the usual suspects. In fact, uh, uh, in fact, Mike Mahoney in the Nightly Rant is on um, Podcast Addict, which is a great app to organize all your 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 podcasts. You know, I'm on that as well. Um, the Bitter Truth with Abe Abdelhadi is how you'd look it up. And uh, you, can, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, um, all the usual suspects, and then um, and Stitcher. And then uh, if you want to go directly to the page and be a bitter pill, you can do that at uh, patreon.com forward slash the bitter truth. And uh, you know, we, got, we got some rewards uh, there for you if, if you want to uh, sponsor the show. But as always, you could you know, listen at your leisure on um, the stuff that I just mentioned and, um, you know, enjoy the show. And if, if it makes sense and you want to help out, then that'd be great too. All right. Well, thanks for being here. And uh, I want to tell everybody definitely check out Abe's show. And if you listen to the first episode and you like it, go over there to Patreon and sign up to be a bitter pill. It's a, it's a small investment to help him out. And as I always say, as podcasters, we got to help each other out. Uh, if we don't, nobody will. So again, thanks, Abe, for being on here, and uh, happy New Year, by the way, buddy. Happy New Year to you, man, and uh, you know, good stuff for you and your family in 2019. Thank you, man. Elite Podcast Academy is presented by Elite Podcast Agency and Yogi's Podcast Network. Do you want help getting on other podcasts? Elite Podcast Agency is the place for you. We help podcasters get interviews on shows, whether it is once a month or once a week. Check out our services and pick up our podcast directory with over a thousand podcasts sorted by category at ElitePodcastAgency.com forward slash directory. Need someone to help you start a show or take your existing show to a new level? Yogi's Podcast Network can help. Head over to Yogi'sPodcastNetwork.com forward slash help for more information. Thank you for listening to Elite Podcast Academy.